You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Welcome, church. Good to see you on a Saturday night. I'm so glad you are here right now. So glad you are here. Yeah, thank you for that, Tom. He caught that. So uh, I'm excited about this whole series called Worry. Anybody not worry? Raise your hand if you do not worry. Anybody's in denial that says, I never, ever, ever worry? I think all of us kind of have to struggle with that. I wish I could say, like, Christians grow out of it, and I'll just tell you that's not the case. I wish I could tell you the more times you go to, uh, I don't know, to church or whatever, you don't worry, but it's not necessarily the case. Let me show you some emails. Some of you, if your email looked like this, it would generate a lot of anxiety, some of you, you know, if that's what your email looks like, that would be the nightmare. And others of you are very comfortable with over 6,000 emails on your inbox. How many of you are comfortable with 6,000 emails? You're fine with it, and it's a, you're just not being, be, be honest here. Some of you have no problems. Uh, others of you, this is what your email uh, inbox looks like right here, and it looks like that just about all the time. Anyone like that? These are the people who iron their jeans before they go to church and stuff. And, and <laughs> you're, you take pride in making sure that it's at zero. And that's what you, that's what you do. Uh, maybe that. I want to take a poll here. I want to take a poll. Just what, what makes you worry more? We're going to do this live here. So I want you to raise your hands here as a live poll. So what makes you more worry? What makes you more worry? Um, snakes. Or spiders? Let's go snakes or spiders? Snakes? Yeah. All right. How about spiders? Anyone spiders? I'm with the spiders. Okay. I, I can live with snakes, not spiders. How about this? Current events or career? Current events. Raise your hand if current events makes you worry. Or career? Uh, career. Does career make you worry? All right. How about this one? Finances or health and wellness? Finances, raise your hand, finances. Anyone worry about finances? And how about health and wellness? Anyone worry about health and wellness? I ate Santiago's this morning. Don't tell my wife. I hope she's not here. Don't tell her. Um, <laughs> how about being a good spouse or being alone? You may not want to raise your hand on that one. Being a good spouse or being alone? What makes you worry? Uh, some of you, there, I've discovered some people say, you know what? I don't, I don't worry. I'm just concerned. So we, we kind of play the word game a little bit. And I get it. A lot is riding on, on you know, how people see you. Um, <laughs> here's signs that you might be a worrier. This is not on the screen. So remember at C3PO, he was always worried about doom and gloom and something was terrible going to happen, and that's why I put him up there. But um, uh, one thing, one sign you might be a worrier is this. You have a hard time falling asleep or hard to have a hard time sleeping. That might be a sign that you are a worrier. Um, you think, number two is you think of the worst case scenarios very easily. Your imagination just goes and you think of worst case scenarios scenarios, and you think this is going to happen, I know it's going to happen, my car's going to blow up or something, I don't know. Number three is this, you're always scanning for a future threat. You're always scanning for a future threat. You've convinced yourself that there's, it's just right around the corner, there's some sort of future threat that's just kind of waiting to happen. Or, or you can't shake off upset. You can't shake off upset. Something has bothered you and you can't shake it off, you can't leave it alone, you just carry it with you, whatever it is. Uh, number five, you use something to suppress your worry. Food, alcohol, a drug, 
When you worry, you go to Santiago's. Number six, your, your health is affected. Your health is affected. So like, it, it, like, like things happen in your body that are not good and, and cholesterol and all kinds of stuff. Or you can't relax. Number seven, you can't relax. Or number eight, you have no sustainable joy. You have no sustainable joy. Sustainable is the key word. It doesn't mean you walk around all the time with a smile on your face and you're just cheery, cheery, cheery. But it doesn't mean there's an internal joy that you have as you go through life. So those are just signs you might be a worrier. Uh, 500 years ago, one of the most significant philosophers of the French Renaissance, a guy named Michel de Montaigne, said, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune, most of which never happened. 500 years ago said it. So there was this study that was done based on this quote. A guy named uh, Don Joseph Goey, he wrote a book called The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain. And in this study, uh, the study looked into how many of our imagined calamities never materialized. That was the study. So, so in this study, subjects were asked to write down their worries over an extended period of time and then identify which of their imagined misfortunes never did actually happen. So lo and behold, it turns out that uh, this French Renaissance guy was, was more right. Here's, here's the results. 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. 85%, and listen to this. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected, or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means that, here it is, hold on to your britches here, 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. Pretty strong, isn't it? Pretty strong. What worries you? What worries you? Something we'll always have to work through. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before you, and uh, thank you, God, for your presence Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I sense your Holy Spirit even right now, God, while I'm standing here, and I know you've been here during worship. And God, we need a word from you. Nothing else will do, God. This isn't some positive TED Talk message, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit. By your grace, work in me and through me, according to Isaiah 61. Use me for your glory and for your kingdom. God, I know everyone in this room is under construction, including me. And I pray that the person who needs an encouraging word gets one today, tonight. The person that needs to be reminded of your love hears a message of love tonight, God. And the person who is far from you, God, I pray they recognize your love as well. Meet us, God. You're so good at meeting us where we're at. Jesus, have your way here. Thank you, God. Direct my thoughts and words and make this message just burn inside of me for your glory and for your kingdom, I pray. <clears throat> if you said that prayer, say amen. Amen. <clears throat> Will you give God permission to just move in your heart? Can you be open to that possibility that maybe God's not done with you yet? Can you be open to that possibility? You think you can do that? First um, Peter chapter 5 is where I want to go, and there's a verse in here. Verse 7 is where we're going to go, and that's going to be the main verse for today. But I'm going to start at verse 5. It says this, In the same way you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders. 
Okay, all the parents say amen to that verse right there. All of our senior adults say amen to that verse right there. Uh, It's a good word for all of us to remember. Submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, let's read this part out loud, guys, because God... All right, let's do that one more time. God opposes the proud. So before verse 7, you see God is leading up to something. Peter's writing this letter, and he's saying God opposes the proud, but he, he, he what does it is? He shows favor to the humble. Now, this is a recipe for you to hear God. This is a recipe to be used by God. This is a recipe to get right with God. This is a recipe to please God. And this is also a recipe to walk with God and trust God. This is a recipe to not worry. And Peter says this. He says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. And when you keep reading, he says this, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. If there's one thing that turns the stomach of God, it's someone who's full of pride. Whether you're a, oh, a bug flying around me, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, unbeliever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Something that turns the stomach of God is when someone is full of pride. Pride is as old as Lucifer in heaven. Lucifer, Satan himself, was kicked out of heaven. Why? Because of pride. Wanted to be like God, wanted all the powers and all the rights of God, and he got kicked out of heaven along with one-third of the angels who became demons. Pride is that old. Pride is always before the fall. That's right, pride. Pride will prevent you from hearing God. It'll prevent you from being obedient to God. It'll prevent you from knowing God. It'll prevent you from seeing what God is doing. Pride will get a hold of anyone and, and, and hold on to them in such a way that they become unusable and not able to do what God wants them to do. That's the power of pride. And the, the pride, the essence of pride is, is the devil is at work, and it's about self-entitlement. It's about what you, what, what, you know, it's very self-centered. That's what pride is. You see the, the middle letter there is I. And here, verse 6, Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Where would you, where's your position? Humble yourself under whom? under God's mighty hand, right? That he may lift you up in due time. It's not about you lifting up yourself. It's about God lifting you up. It's about you humbling yourself before God and recognizing he is God and I want his favor and and there's no smile I want more than the smile of the Lord. And Peter's making this incredible point. He's saying, before you learn to give God your worries, you have to humble yourself. Before you learn to give God your worries, you have to humble yourself. Why is that a big deal? Why is that a big deal? Because someone, the opposite of of, of humility is pride, and a prideful person will not trust God with their worries because they believe they could handle it themselves. A prideful person will want to maintain control of their circumstance or their situation because they have more faith in themselves than they do God. A prideful person is not able to wait on God. Prideful person takes matters into their own hands and says, I'm going to figure this out myself. I don't need any help. That's what a prideful person does. Verse 7, here it is. Let's read this out loud. It's such a great word to remember, guys. Let's read it all out. It's a great memory verse for tonight. Here it is. 
Cast all your... Cast all your anxiety on him. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Anxiety, this word means a narrowness, a narrow space, a tightness in your chest. That's what this word means right here. F.B. Meyer, I just want to talk about this word anxiety a little bit. He said this, the word anxiety comes from the same root as anger and suggests the idea of choking Worry chokes the life of faith. It does not help us to overcome our difficulties, but unfits us for dealing with them. It's not a surprise that the old English word for worry is rision, which means to strangle. That's what it means. So worry literally chokes, can choke you. You worry you're not going to be happy, or you worry you're not going to have enough, or you worry you're going to be alone, or you worry you're going to run out of money. You worry, whatever it is, and you worry, and it, it chokes you, and eventually it, 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 just gets to this, it just gets to this place where it affects you spiritually and physically and emotionally. Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says it like this. He said, anxiety weighs down the heart. Think about that. Anxiety weighs down the heart. It affects you. It affects your countenance. John Locke said, what worries you masters you. That's strong. What worries you masters you. Every decision you make, you make because of that, that worry. Let's go back to that word here, verse, uh, verse, uh, verse 7 in, in Peter. He said, cast. Cast all your anxiety on here. Casting, right here, this word is, is, is the aorist tense, which denotes this. And act once for all, throwing the whole life with its care on him. It's, it's a decision to, to let, it, let it go. And in fact, this, is a liter, this literal picture is seen in Luke chapter 19, chapter 19, when it says they brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats and, and put their colt and put Jesus on it. So it was during Palm Sunday when they threw their coats. So uh, I want you to get an idea of what this word cast all your cares on him because he, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So it's this decision. Let's just pretend here, this Bible right here, the word of God represents Jesus Christ. And I have something in my, something that came to me that is causing anxiety. It's, it's, it's creating concern, whatever word you want to use. And it's weighing on me. And I have a decision of what to do with that. Rather, the, our normal path is we're going to do everything we can to deal with this kind of thing. But if it's significant, if it weighs on you, the first thing you should do is you should turn to God. And here, Paul is saying, and Peter is saying, just cast it on him because he cares for you. But it's cast everything, all of it on him. It's not like this, and you hold on to the little corner over here. You know, some of you do that. I'm going to hold on to this little bit right here because I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's cast it all on him and leave it in the hands of God and trust him. Can you do that? It's letting it go, whatever it was, that conversation, that email, that word, whatever it is, casting it all on him and saying, my God can handle it. Picture a Palm Sunday is you have this beast of burden, this donkey that's carrying you, and you throw your coat on this thing, and that beast carries it away, and you don't have to carry it anymore. It's the same concept. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, trusting him. And I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to go to bed with this thing. I have given it into the hands of my God. I'm going to leave it there. 
Peter is saying, humble yourself and cast your anxiety on Jesus. Not a person, not a spouse, not a friend. Cast it all on Jesus because he's got really, really big shoulders. God allows us to be in situations where we choose to worry or hold on to him. This is a cool picture with the rope about to bust. (laughs) You know, I believe there's moments in our life where we make a choice. It could be small or big, and I think many of them are small, where we decide, am I going to worry about him? Am I going to worry about her? Am I going to worry about my job? Am I going to worry about money? Am I going to worry about my health? Am I going to worry about this? Whatever it is. And then fear is such a big part of worry. Do not fear is repeated 366 times in the Bible. They included leap year. But this whole idea of, I'm going to cast it on him because he cares for me. And we have these moments, these opportunities in our life where we have to make decisions on whether or not we're going to trust God. You look at it all the way with the Israelites. When you look at the Israelites, they have a situation when they're hungry and they're complaining because there's no food. And they go to Moses and they complain to Moses and say, I don't, we don't have any food and what are we going to do? We're going to die. There's no water, Moses. What are you? And just complaining and complaining and complaining. And of course, they cry out to God. And what does God do? God says, I'll give you some food. Here's manna. But you can only have enough manna for today. I want you to trust me. Some of you are like, okay, can we just have enough for the week? That's our, that's our human nature. But God says, I want you to trust me. Tomorrow there'll be some manna again. You just have to trust me for today. And that's what you see, these opportunities God does over and over in our life where God just, these small opportunities where God says, are you going to trust me? It's so small. And you know what? We're afraid of the unknown. It's the unknown where the boogeyman is. It's the unknown where it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's way too big for me to control. So there's some fear there. There's some fear and anxiety that builds up. And the unexpected happens, the discouraging word, the unknown the bad report. And you think, what now? What now? And it comes into play so often. Why is it that some people don't honor God with their giving? Why? Fear. What if I don't have enough? Why is it that we are fearful or worried about other things that God might call us to do and we hold on? Why is it that when we feel like God wants us to do something, we, don't, we may not do it because we have a fear that the bottom may fall out and I may be left alone, so I'm not, I'm not going to listen. I'm just not, I'm, you know what, God, can, can you just, you know, give me some credit, God. I'll let you have this much of my life, but this part right here, I just can't let go, God. I still want to go to heaven, God. I still want to go to heaven, and I still want to get credit for trusting you, God. I know you want me to let go of him. I'm sorry, her. I'm sorry. I know you want me to let go. I know you want me to. I know you want me to serve you. I know you want me to give. I know you want me to love, and I want you to. I know you want me to. God, I'll trust you with this right here. But this part right here, God, I got to hold on to. Am I still good, God? Am I still still good, right? The blessings will still come, right? That's what I want. I want the blessings, God. 
I'm a Christian, God. <clears throat> Fear, unknown, worry. The second part of this verse here, cast all your anxiety on him. And why should we do this? Because why? Turn in the person next to you and just tell them he cares for you. That's a big deal. God cares about you. He cares about you. I believe the reason why we have a problem with disobedience is because we don't fully grasp his love for us. I believe a reason why we have a problem with fully trusting God is because we don't fully grasp his love for us. I picked up my daughter from school the other day. and I was like, what is it like to never worry about food, Hannah? <laughs> she just laughed. I never worry about it either. My God has been taking care of me for a while. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Better than I deserve. This whole idea of trusting God is all about a relationship. It's all about a relationship. The reason why you can cast your anxiety on him is because he loves you. It's because he cares about you. Because he knows the number of hairs on your head and he knows the desires of your heart and he knows your battles and your fears. He knows it all. And you can trust him because he's got your back. And it's his act of faith saying, God, I'm going to put my faith and trust in you because I know how much I mean in your eyes. It's a relationship. If you don't have a relationship with God like this, and let me just tell you, the more you get to know God, <laughs> the more you get to know his heart and his love for you. It changes your trust. It changes your faith. Francis Chan put it like this, worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough. God, you don't know my financial situation, God. God, you've never seen a situation like this before, God. God, you don't know what will happen if I walk away. God, you won't know what will happen if I do this. God, he's a lost cause or she's a lost cause or you don't understand the mess this is, God. Have you ever dealt with a mess this big, God? Worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough. It's a relationship. See, th this is not right here. This whole talk is not about a yoga pose or a digital lap to help you breathe or meditation or soothing music you can put on when you go to bed or a psychological tool or visualization or positive thoughts or breathing exercise or, or psyching yourself out. That's not what this is about. It's not what this is about. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with God Almighty. It's a confidence that the same God of Abraham sees my future. It's a confidence that the same God of Joseph has my career. It's a confidence that the same God of David will slay my giant. It's a confidence that the God of Elijah will do a miracle in my life. It's a confidence that the God of Moses will provide for me too. It's a confidence that the God of Simon Peter can deliver me from my own chains as well. 
It's a confidence that the God of Hezekiah also read my discouraging email that I just read right now. It's a confidence that the God of Hannah has heard my prayer. It's a confidence that the God of Ruth and Naomi will never, ever leave me. It's a confidence that the God of Sarai understands my physical condition and limitations. It's a confidence that the God of Daniel can free me from my fiery furnace as well. It's a confidence that the God who stirs up, a pagan's heart named Cyrus, King Cyrus, is the same God who can stir this heart as well. It's a confidence that Jesus, the Savior of the world who calmed the storms, can calm my storm too. It's a confidence that Jesus, who healed that blind man, can heal me too. It's a confidence that the Jesus who fed 5,000 people will provide for me too. It's the same confidence that the Jesus who rose from the grave can raise me from my grave and my situation as well. Anybody with me on that? Do you know that God? Do you know that God? That's the God we're talking about right here. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. I want to introduce you to Sarah. A lot of you don't know Sarah. Um, Sarah... She's been at Thorn Creek a total of two times. I got permission to share this, just so you know that. <laughs> so Sarah showed up, and incidentally, um, <laughs> really cool story. So she she's, meets me, and she shows up early. She gets her, gets her worship times mixed up. She shows, she's a Sunday morning gal. She's not at Saturday night club service, people like you. But anyway, <laughs> but she shows up, and... Um, and she puts me aside. The Sunday that she showed up is the Sunday when I showed a map of Paul when he was going through his uh, shipwreck. Remember that? I showed a big map kind of thing of the stops that he made, and he traveled, and there was a big storm, and I, I showed a map of this, this, this really, really tough thing that happened. So she pulls me aside after service, and I've never talked to her before ever, and she says, um, Pastor, I just need, I need to tell you something. And I said, what is it? She said, I felt like you were talking about me that whole service. And I was like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? She said, look, I just moved out here from California. We moved to Steamboat Springs. We decided to take this vacation. We went to Lake McConaughey. Anybody ever been at Lake McConaughey? I never have, but I hear it's really, really big. But she went, she went to Lake McConaughey. She said, I rented a paddle boat. And I was with friends, uh, and we were there, but there was this storm that happened, and somehow or another, my paddleboat got pushed out to the middle of Lake McConaughey, and she told me she wasn't wearing her glasses, so everything was really, really blurry, and she was in the middle of this storm, and she was terrified. She was in the middle of Lake McConaughey for two to three hours. She said all she was doing was praying. That's all she was doing was praying. And she started paddling, and eventually she got back to the shore, and then she went back to Steamboat and found out that what was going to happen over there isn't going to work out. So she moved to Thornton, Colorado. And the very, very first service that she shows up after her Lake McConaughey experience is the service where I'm talking about Paul, the apostle, and the shipwreck and how God was with him and took care of him. I'm sorry, the very first service that happened, she, God led her. It was in the very back. Anybody wearing your Unleashed shirts and nothing more? It's like in the very back. It was titled Shipwreck. God had planned it. It was like sermon number 18. And God draws her here to hear this message about shipwreck. And God speaks to her about Lake McConaughey and tells her, I love you and I'm with you and don't be afraid. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> 
<clears throat> you got to give God praise when you see what he's doing. You got to do it. It's beautiful. And you know how the Lord led her here? She cut her own hair and did a terrible job. <clears throat> it's a true story. She cut her own hair and did a terrible job. So she looked to see, where can I fix my hair? And there just happens to be a hair salon two doors down that's open on Sundays. So she shows up, tells them I messed up my hair. She gets her haircut, and she comes out of the hair salon, and she looks over, and we have a tent out in front of our building, and there's balloons. It was our grand opening weekend. Do you see how God is moving? Do you see how God is moving? Do you, turn to some person next to you and tell them God is moving here. Can you do that? God is moving here because God is, is working this out. And you see how God is drawing. Oh, I hope you can see it. Some of you can't see it. I know you can. Some of you can. Do you see how God is moving? And this is Sarah. So she's been here twice. She's going to fulfill her three uh, weekend commitment next week, or this weekend, and we'll see what happens after that. I'm just kidding. Psalm 55, verse 22 says this. <clears throat> Beautiful. Same idea of casting. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will what? But you got to cast it first. I know, I know the temptation is, is God, <clears throat> how about if I do, you know, if I do this, and I'm going to hold on to a little bit here. All right, do I, get all the, do I get credit like I'm completely trusting in you, God? Are, you're going to sustain me now, right? That's the deal, right, God? This is your work. But God, God honors. It pleases God when you act in full obedience and full faith and full trust. <clears throat> he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Now, the righteous there, you can't be righteous unless you have a tight relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's not righteous in your eyes, it's righteous in God's eyes. You hear what I'm saying? It's not righteous in your eyes, it's righteous in God's eyes. It's being obedient to the last thing God told you to do. He'll never allow the righteous to be shaken. And Isaiah 46 says this, this is beautiful. You senior adults, listen to this one, I'm loving it too. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I got some right here, do you see it right here? This is church planning right here, 20 years. <laughs> Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. Oh. Can you just breathe in and breathe out? Everybody take a deep breath. Okay, do it one more time. One more time. Everybody, breathe in. Let it out. Put your faith in him. I have made you, and I will carry you. Just turn to someone and tell them you were created by God. You belong to him. I have made you. And I've created you. <clears throat> I will carry you. I will sustain you. And I will what? So what are you worried about? You ain't got no worries. Jesus said, <clears throat> Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. 
and I'll give you rest. Beautiful, this is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. It's a relationship with Jesus. I love the way Kevin Queen said it, pastor out of Nashville. He said this, you need space in your life where you can hear God tell you, don't worry about it. So, when you spend time reading God's word and you carve time out, you give God an opportunity to speak to you through his word. What happens if you don't read this book at all? How does God speak to you? You might tell me, well, <clears throat> through the wind and the trees and the leaves and the flowers and quotes that I read from so-and-so and through my wife or girlfriend or husband or friend or whatever, and all that's possible. But I want you to hear this. This is God's preferred vehicle to speak to you right here. This is a strong Christian. If you want to be, if you want to know God's will, you spend time in his word. For those of you who know his word, when I say the God of Joseph will be with you, that means something to you, doesn't it? When I say the God of Naomi and Ruth will be with you, that means something to you. When I say the God of Daniel will deliver you from your fiery furnace, that's close to you. You get it. For those of you who don't know your word, when I say the God of Hezekiah, be with you, it won't mean as much. Who's that guy? Or the God of Rahab? Who's that? Or the God of Jehoshaphat? I'm sorry, who are we talking about? But if you spend time in God's word, you give God an opportunity to speak to you, and you see the way God has moved in ordinary people's lives like yours, and it builds up your faith. It builds up your faith. In Matthew chapter 6, there's this phenomenal passage. It says this. I'm going to read a little bit. This isn't on the screen. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow and is thrown into the fire, he will not much more clothe you, you of little faith. Somebody knows your word. So you do not worry, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Now listen to this. For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33. But, what are those two words? But. So, so here, God is, Jesus is telling you, God's telling you, here's what you need to do. Here's what's most important in life. Here it is right here. Seek, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Did you hear that? Jesus just went through this laundry list of things that you could worry about. But in verse 33, he says, look, here's the thing you need to worry about. <laughs> here's the thing you need to look at. Here it is. 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. His kingdom means you are fully aware you are a foreigner passing through this world. You are living life at a kingdom level in a way that pleases God. His righteousness, what is that? It's not your righteousness. Seek his righteousness. That means you die to yourself. You humble yourself. You say, God, make me holy. Make me love like you love, God. Clean out all the stuff in my heart that's not of you. Clean me out, God. And I pray that your Holy Spirit has his way in me. Crucify my flesh, Lord. May people see more of you, Lord, in my life. Sanctify me. Make me holy. Make me righteous under your eyes, God. May the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing to you. Give me clean hands and a pure heart, God. Free me from anything that has a hold on me, God. Take out that spirit of anger. Take out that spirit of lust. Take out that spirit of pride. Take it out, God. Seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. Is that your prayer? See, if you do these things, and all these things will be given to you as well. Verse 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Trust the Lord with every situation, his kingdom, his righteousness. It's a beautiful thing about coming to church. (laughs) Coming to church... You should worry less every weekend you come to church because every weekend you come to church, you worship your great God with other people who are walking by faith. You hear God's word. You give God an opportunity to speak to your heart. You give yourself more to God. And when you do that every every seven days, when you do that every six or seven days, whatever it is, your weeks change. The way you look at work changes. The way your relationships change and the things that happen and the flat tire and running late or whatever it is, you just worry less and you say, God, and eventually what happens is you say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you everything, God. I'm going to trust you with everything. You wanna, I'm going to honor you with my sex life. I'm going to honor you with my entertainment life. I'm going to honor you with my financial life. I'm going to honor you in every way, God. I just, it just, it just fuels that. You say, God, I just want more of you. You fall more in love with Jesus. When you fall more in love with Jesus, you realize that nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Well, maybe you came to church tonight with something on your heart. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to pray for you. But I want to I want to I want to lay this out here. Um, if there's something that has been you've been holding on to, I'm going to ask you to do a bold thing here right now. 
I'm going to ask you to stand up. And you need to just give this over to God. Would you stand up really quickly? I want to say a prayer for you. If there's something, oh, I love courage here, guys. It's beautiful. Look at that. Look how God's working. Anybody else? Stay standing up. I want to pray for you. Stay standing up. I want to pray for you. Oh. Mm. Those of you who are standing up, just say this prayer. Jesus, you know what's weighing on me. You are my God. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. And I'm just going to put my trust in you. If I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down trusting you. So that's where I'm at right now. And I need to give this to you right now. Just tell God what it is right now, right where you're at. Now tell him you're going to give it all to him. Even the corner. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the way you moved here tonight. You're so good and you're so faithful. If you're sitting down or even standing up and you need to ask Jesus into your life, maybe that's the first step. Would you just say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm going to trust you completely today, tonight, completely. I'm going to honor you, God, with the way I live, the way I love, the way I serve, the way I give, in every way, God. Thank you. May I hold on to you more. May I trust you more. May I cast cast my anxiety on you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Glory to God, guys. Can put your hands together. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.